What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Dostromsky. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, the ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Sirit Soyu. What's up, Sirit? Chris, how's it going? It's going great. Well, okay, it is going great, but what we're going to do today, we're breaking negative. We're breaking bad today. So Sirit and I wanted to just have a quick venting session. This is like we get into the end of the first half of the season. And what we wanted to ask each other this week on The Answer is what's frustrating you? What's bothering you? What's annoying you about the NBA this season? So we can get it all out. We can clean the baffles, as they say on submarines, and then we can go into the second half of the season renewed with like a new sense of like optimism and idealism about this beautiful game that we follow. Does that sound good to you, sir? I'm with it. You know, Aquarius season just started. Uh, I think this is a perfect time for something like this. A month's about to end. It's perfect. I'm really excited. And But before we get into that, though, oh, okay, before yeah. we get into that, uh, I was watching Lakers Sixers last night. So and my my uh, my mind started wandering and I started thinking. I have my own answer to this question now <laughs> after a while. If you had a team of five Matisse Thibels mm-hmm. versus five Malik Monks, who would win? I think the game would end 6 nothing after 48 minutes. And I think the Monks would win. Can I tell you something, though? Of course. If I was a mad scientist and I could build the perfect NBA player, I would just put... Matisse Thibel and Malik Monk together. Can you imagine if Matisse Thibel could score like Malik Monk is capable of scoring? I think that's actually what kind of spawned this thought because Matisse Thibel is the perfect basketball player <laughs> in terms of just like, you know, he just like star jumps and then just gets gets at every loose ball. He's just so athletic. Uh, but yeah, that jumper, I still think uh, I still think he should get more minutes. I think if I had a 
generational defender i would i would just live with the fact that you know he's not going to hit his jumper all the time see if he can get get into rhythm anyway we can talk all about the time that. is that is that what you think his field goal percentage suggests is that he doesn't hit his jumper all the time i'm not asking for dale ellis i'm asking for like hitting the backboard from the corner every once in a while okay maybe not for basketball reasons but just i just like watching him do stuff yes you know? yeah i think in, in like a vacuum like we're in like little bursts matisse is like one of the most magnetic players to watch because like you you just feel him create basketball actions that like a lot of teams don't create where there's just like a loose ball going towards your rim or whatever like or going towards the opposing team's rim so it creates like these fun fast break situations and also like when he pressures the ball like you can tell it actually genuinely irritates the ball handler you know like i've seen it, it there, there's so many like kind of like fake full court presses or fake pressures but he's actually like a, a menace yeah it adds a nice element of surprise like nba actions can start to get very predictable so when somebody can intercept a pass that like you just never see get intercepted it's just like oh like kind of kind of jolts you awake a little bit right unless russ throws it and then you see it get intercepted quite a lot uh, malik monk could probably intercept those right <laughs> i just really quickly about that sixers lakers game i i felt like that had like a real exhibition game vibe because it was like it was a very much like get Anthony Davis back in the mix and he had like an absolute shacky in game for for most of it and looked like he was specifically trying to assert dominance over Embiid like it, it did seem like and he was giving Embiid a lot of trouble but the Sixers won pretty comfortably and never seemed particularly bothered yeah it was a really fun game um I love watching that that matchup down low I didn't love watching them both fall a lot um that was incredibly stressful having both those guys we don't get a lot of davis versus Embiid. actually like both of those guys have dealt with a lot of injuries and yeah twice a year yeah like um, that, that would be it exactly and then and then it's like even if they are the teams play twice a year but it's how often are uh davis and Embiid both playing at the same time so yeah i thought it was a fun suite of games last night we had the the sixers and the lakers and then we had the the timberwolves warriors game but it does bring me to my my first event if you want me to start kick things off here um i think mine mine are going to be pretty general i'm a pretty general guy i like to throw out populist ideas you're more like i would say you're more of a visionary right like a big picture thinker. Sure. I just think we really need to like change the NBA television product. I was thinking about this specifically because, and, and you know, I'm drunk on NFL playoff football, especially this last weekend of games that we had. And, you know, like 52 million people watch Chiefs bills. I'm not asking for that to be like a, an NBA game in late January. But I really do think we are way past the point of when the NBA could offer a feasible red zone-esque product that would make watching basketball on a night-to-night basis a little bit more engaging. And I think what happens is like you get settled in on one game and that game has its ebbs and flows just like any sport does. But because it's like you're changing the channel and you're trying to find like the rhythm of some other game, if you're especially if you're watching on like a Wednesday and you have like the full suite of games, it just gets like kind of like a little cumbersome. You're kind of like checking scores. You're trying to find something. So here's my proposition. Like, start NBA crunch time, NBA fast break, NBA full court, whatever you want to call this thing. I understand there might be some issues with, like, it being live. Like, the whole premise of Red Zone is that there are parts of the NFL field that when a team is, like, within 20 yards, it's just the Red Zone. But, like, when it gets, like, when there's some momentum going on a drive, like, they can identify, like, this team is approaching a score. But to me, NBA Red Zone would be really easily governed by, like, okay, the starters are on the floor. You know, so we can just have all stars on TV all the time. 
and when games get close. So for the first couple of hours of the East Coast games, you just show like whenever like the NBA all-stars are on populating the court or if there is a particularly close click game. And then as those games get down to crunch time, when it's a 21 point lead and nobody is watching it, like that game gets kicked off, but there's usually a game or two that's within 10. And I just think they would just make the night to night NBA watching a little bit more uh, holistic. I mean, I, I think I don't really understand why they don't do this. I would even allow for them to black out the national games that are on that at that point from the product. So you have to choose either you're going to watch red zone or you're going to watch the national games. I assume that what like Turner and ESPN would not be happy with that with any competition like that, but there's already league pass. But I just think like there is a feeling for me of like the NBA lagging behind a little bit in like how it services its fans in a way that's surprising because I think we think of the league as like a cutting edge product. I feel like it would be very really simple. You could just call, you could literally just call it league pass alert. Yes. And you could just have like, you know, just, just have like an actual NBA junkie running it. Like we don't have to think that hard about it. Just like, you know, like I have a craving for this as well. And maybe you're the same way because what I do is I turn on a game and then I forget that anything else exists. Yes. Even if yeah. that game gets boring, then I'm like, oh, this game's boring. And I'm like, Sometimes I forget that that game exists. That's the problem with NBA Twitter is like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. but it sounds like something really important is happening in this Pacers mm-hmm. game, but I guess I'm just like pot committed to watching Luka tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of FOMO. I, wa- I would like my FOMO eradicated from my, from my NBA watching experience. Maybe what you could do is, you know, even if you have that compete with, with ESPN or TNT where they may not want those games on TV. Whereas league pass, they could look at it as like, just not really competing against them, which I think is actually a fair assessment by them too. Right. But you could do, it's not like ESPN and TNT have national games on every single night. Right. No, they're out here ducking Thursday night football. Anyway, it's just like, let's yeah, like during most of the the first half of the season, at least these six game, like every game is local type of nights. Cause those also end up sometimes being the most fun nights. Just kind of like, I like, I kind of imagine myself going down a staircase in a way where I'm like, oh, okay, so now we've reached the fourth quarter of this game, which means that the other one's in its third quarter and, and, and change, and we can kind of just hop and hop and, like, and try to catch the fourth, qu- fourth quarter of every single one. So, for, yeah, if somebody could curate that experience for me, I would, I would be thrilled. I'm sure there are Twitter feeds out there who like alert you when so-and-so has checked back into a game. Like There are some like pretty elaborate NBA League Pass alert things. Well, hypothetically, Twitter is supposed to do that. Yeah, I mean, but I just think it's it would be cool shiny. if there was some, like it was a little bit more automated and if it was curated. Like if they had the like the Scott Hansen-esque figure who was just like, yeah, we're going over to Charlotte because LaMelo is mm-hmm. going nuts. And it's like, I don't even mind if there's a little bit of a delay. I understand with basketball, it's a little harder because there are so many more breaks or it just feels like there are more breaks. But I wouldn't even mind if it was like we're f- there's a 5 minute delay on live action mm-hmm. because we're like getting ahead of it. I would probably choose that over oh you're 30 seconds behind like you have to go flip over to this now. Yeah. You know who I t- who I would tap for that? It's just two options. You can go like the super serious basketball route of it and you can't get him because he works for ESPN and he does a million other things but, but Tim Legler could be like if you wanted to go like the X's and O's side of it right okay. and the other way if you want to just go pure entertainment like guy just coming up with the most awesome catchphrases on the spot ever Stacey King like let's yeah. let's let's get Stacey King national should we have Gus Johnson and Stacey King be like the god view of, a- of the NBA every night I would love that or who's a sorry? Who's a Hornets announcer again? Uh, Michael Pena. I did like a story about him 
last year. He was just oh, saying yeah. he was a yeah. bowler. I think he'd be fun too. What's your first thing you want to vent about? I have to admit, getting into this, I am. I was. I've really been enjoying NBA basketball this week. It's been a fun week of basketball, so I'm gonna have sure. to manufacture some anger. But maybe by like five minutes in, we'll get to the real thing. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with something that actually makes me angry, though. I think venting is different than anger, right? Like we, we could just be like a mildly frustrated about something. Yeah, but why not process some emotions in a healthy way with with a friend? Okay. You know. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna start with something that actually makes me mad, um, and it isn't NBA related. So when you when you like when you're in like the the NBA YouTube wormhole, you also kind of end up adjacent to like I guess the basketball self help world in this you know in the same way that. It's just, you know, wanting wanting to like, le- like, you know, make your bed can kind of then turn you into a, into a right wing extremist. It's kind of the same thing. Um, the amount of plyometrics videos that have been popping up on my front page have just been ridiculous. And it's taking me back to a time when I was in the 11th grade, five, six, not very athletic, trying to improve my vertical, thinking that maybe one day, one day I'd be able to dunk. What are plyometrics? So... Basically, they're just a bunch of techniques that are supposed to help you jump higher and just be more athletic and the kind of athleticism like that you would want for basketball, like like box jumps and stuff. So is this because when I was at basketball camp a long time ago, we had strength shoes that had like basically like it was like platform shoes, but towards the balls of your feet so that you basically were always running around like on your tiptoes and that those like when you took them off and put on regular sneakers that was supposed to have improved your vertical oh damn we had like a demo for this at st joe's basketball camp and it was just like strength shoes you'll dunk and i'm like i'm five four you know you're like i'm a 12 year old i'm not dunking but thank you see i i got hustled by my own self-belief and sprained my ankle multiple times kids don't believe in the videos uh people who make the videos you know like just just stop doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. stop. It just it just made me sad. <laughs> a little content regulation. I yeah. get it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And and throw in some you know throw in some stretches in the in, in the front and the back. You know, like, these kids aren't going to stretch if you don't tell them to. Okay, that's your YouTube algorithm mm-hmm. that you're mad about. What's yes. an NBA thing that you're a little bit frustrated about? Um, trade deadline coming up. So I got like two sides of like kind of like this a similar coin here. Robert Covington slander on one end, and maybe it's a little too strong to call it slander, but he is on the trade block-ish. It seems like it's, you know, I don't know. But I feel like every time now Covington becomes a conversation, the conversation becomes about all the defensive things that he can't do. Oh, right. The myth of Robert Covington's sublime defense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just because, well, it's an evaluation problem. Like we we hear good defender and we just assume that they're good at everything. And that's not how it works. It's like if somebody said good scorer, would you just be like, oh, that means that they can score from everywhere on the court. Covington's a great help defender. He's not one of the best isolation defenders in the league, but he's on a team. And this happens to this 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 used to happen to PJ Tucker, but he's on a team where you think that if you just sign like one or two good defenders, that's gonna be enough, and then you put all the defensive pressure on them to somehow like make you into a good defensive team. And it's like it's one it's one perimeter defender right. in the NBA. It's not gonna do anything, you know. Like even Iguodala used to go through like every single defender on the perimeter. Like you know you have like you have some guys that are legitimate game changers, but aside from that, like most guys are gonna look 
pretty porous if you like make them do literally everything and it's a long sure. season if they have to take on every single matchup it's just not gonna like you know anyway that's something that's been annoying me and the other end of it is the the tobias harris slander that we've okay been seeing so sixers season. adjacent yes. player yes. slander yeah 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 because that's the offensive end of this he wasn't asked to do this. Everything that you're directing towards him, like there's a guy who's not playing. I get it. Philly fans are they've 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 been plenty mad at Ben Simmons. But man, like Tobias Harris is just like he's just been the player he's always been. And he was never supposed to be like your closer. He wasn't signed to be that. That's why you've been signing all these other guys, whether it's Jimmy Butler or now you're gonna try to get like an actual closer for Simmons. Like you know this. There's this thing that happens where rosters get overstretched and then players can't live up to you know, whatever it is that they have to make up. And then we get mad at the players instead of, you know, either either luck or roster construction. Yeah, I mean, he's an unfashionable offensive player right now. I think that's part of the reason why people are kind of like, kind of turning on him a bit. It, there's also like, he's pretty deliberative. Like he, when he gets the ball, like there's going to be some dribbling or some like p- pumping before an action happens. And I think that that isn't really what, I mean, like, like, unless it's like, oh, you're in your bag. Tobias doesn't have a really like a bag per se. Like he can get to the rim and he can get hot from with his jumper. But it's not like watching Anthony Edwards like look off three different Timberwolves and then like. Yeah, he has a bag when you get him off the screen. Yeah, but it's and then it's like and then he can beat a triple team. It's like, that's cool. And he's young and he's like, it's all promise. Like, this is what Tobias is. And he gets paid like a closer. Mm -hmm. So. You know, we can go back ages and start debating like whether or not NBA players should have their salaries held against their games or not. But the truth of the matter is, is that Tobias is played like paid like an all star and he doesn't really play like one. And now, you know, like I think that there's been this is the this is like the sort of like the downside of having uh, an, an NBA front officer, specifically Daryl Morey, where you kind of expect him to constantly be like maximizing the roster. And that some player, a player like Tobias is like, oh, you know, Daryl wants to get that off the books. You know, Daryl wants to get Mm. him out of there. You know, Daryl would like love to attach him to like a King's deal so that like he can just get off of Tobias's money. And like, so that probably is starting to get to him. Like, I mean, like he obviously had like a moment a couple of weeks ago where he was giving a little bit back to Sixers fans who were booing him. There was a report that he's playing with a, a, like a couple of different like upper body injuries right now and it's like just so you know like Tobias is like gutting it out it's tough like he's he seems like an absolutely like awesome dude which is like part of like the bummer here but yeah like the Tobias slander is pretty tough although personally aesthetically Mm -hmm. I have a tough time watching him yeah that was a very diplomatic defense of the slander I can accept some of that most of that okay so my next thing I want to vent about is and I like I think that this is probably like Something that maybe people are noticing this week because last night, obviously, was the great Andrew Wiggins debate <laughs> online. Like, Andrew Wiggins was elected uh, as an all-star starter. Wait, remind me, like, the all-star starters are votes, right? That's fan votes. The media gets a vote, but um, I-, I assume this was the fan There vote. was also, like, there was some player voting because there was, like, players voted for Kyrie and Grayson Allen and Ben Simmons. Like, they all received votes <laughs> in, very- in various ways for starters. But, you know, like, obviously there was... And the Andrew Wiggins thing got me thinking a little bit 
about like how players are awarded. Now, All-Star is one thing. You know, there's contractual uh, benefits attached to All-Star, and it means a lot to the players. Obviously, meant a lot to Andrew Wiggins. All-Star like is a really good historical, like go back and see how many All-Star teams a person made. But I do think that the NBA sometimes has absolutely like meaningless <laughs> awards that they give out. And I would just like to say, I don't think we need a player of the week. I don't know what like purpose this serves, but like whenever I'm watching TV and they're just like, oh, and this week's player of the week in the Eastern Conference, and I'm like, this this information literally went in one ear, went out the other. I don't have an example because I've never remembered someone who won player of the week. I assume Jokic has won it a bunch of times this season, but like, does Jokic know that he won player of the week? Does Jokic get like a contractual bonus if he wins player of the week? Are we really rewarding, giving an award for having three good games in seven days? I don't understand that. I mean, player of the month, I also don't really care about either. But I guess at least it's like a larger sample size of work. And can I have like just a second here to talk about like the NBA is the only league that rewards substitutes. Like the sixth man. Do we need to give an award for the sixth man? Can we just like put Lou Williams in the Hall of Fame? Like let's just like say he goes to Springfield. And then retire the award. I, I think it's cool. I, I'm sure that there are contractual bonuses attached to winning six-man awards. Like, I'm sure that gets written into certain people's contracts. But, like, it does seem like a, a an award you can game. Like, if you have, like, if you average 17 a game off the bench, like, you can just win the six-man award. Do you think that it's a valuable award to have? I love the six-man award, honestly, because I think that you need something to reward those guys for actually coming off the bench in some cases. Now, like for the last little while, we've kind of had six men who are actually just supposed to be coming off the bench and they're doing a great job at that role. Right. But when you have like, you know, the, the six men in the traditional mold of like a man who Ginobili uh-huh. or, you know, like a Andre Iguodala with the, with the warriors, that's the six men that I like to, I, I, I think that that role is first of all just like it's one of my favorite roles in basketball. The straight bucket off the off the bench guy. I love it. I love okay. it. And just like getting everybody set up, whether it's like you know it's like a bench full of young players or just guys who are maybe a little bit offensively challenged. I think it's a noble undertaking, and I think it deserves to be rewarded. Siri, here are the last batch of of six men since 2012 when James Harden won it for the Thunder. J.R. Smith, Jamal Crawford. Lou Williams, okay. Jamal Crawford, Eric uh-huh. Gordon, Lou Williams, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Jordan Clark. Okay, so not exactly like pillars of selflessness, I guess. I don't, like, like the selflessness <laughs> is irrelevant to me. I just feel like why don't we call it the Jamal Crawford award and give it to the best scoring six man? That's fair. I never like how the voting turns out for that. Like Jordan Clarkson was almost on my list. Just Jordan Clarkson. Not this year, but like, you know, in those like last year, it's like we're going to like why why not Joe Ingles? You know? Why not Joe also, Ingles? I like that type of six man. I have to go back and look, but is sixth man best bench player or is sixth man literally you have to come into the game, you have to be the first sub into the game? Because sometimes I guess you can't tell because can, you can sub in two guys at once or sometimes. I think it's just a matter of how many games that you that you actually do come off the bench. I don't think it matters like when, when it happens. You, uh, you gave me an idea for how to fix the player of the week awards. Okay. Because the only time it's ever fun... Is when someone you don't expect to get it gets it. Right, when it's like Austin Reeves gets it or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe there should be a rule where you can only get it a certain amount of times in your career. 
And after that, you're done. You're just off the... You get retired from player of the week. Yeah. And then they they have to pluck from like some of the players that are having impressive weeks that we might not know about. Because then it could actually be like somewhat... It could be cool. It could be like something for, for a role player to aspire to potentially. Like an employee of the month sort of thing, you know? Employee of the month. <laughs> I, was just, I was just saying, in my head, I was like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Let me take that back real quick. But... I think that could I think that could be fun because right now what we have is just like it's like this check-in like the one you texted me about I think it was Trey Young getting player of the week where it's like we're just checking in and it's like yep Trey Young still good at basketball you know like that's all we're really right. learning from it right now I'm looking at it right now there's one one week where like I was like oh January 10th like John Fred Van Vliet one and that would be like a good suggestion to go check out Ja and Fred Van Vliet if you were somehow like a casual mm-hmm. who didn't know that either of those guys were doing well. What if it was just like a what's new this week column? What if the what if the NBA just just had somebody write one of those? The kind of thing that you're talking about, like Miles Bridges won it one week this this season. You know, like Bojan Bogdanovic won it one mm-hmm. week last season. I'm just like scrolling through like all the players of the week. I first of all. Not a single thing about this is ringing any bells. Sadiq Bay won it one week last season. Does Sadiq Bay like get anything out of that? I don't know. Probably not. No. So like I don't like I, I guess I see what you're saying. Like yeah, that would be cool. Is like once Jokic wins it once in a week, so that by the end of the season we're giving Player of the Week to like the thirteenth dude on the Bulls. I say let's let's not even roll it over season by season. Like I say, like let's let's just like make a rule. Like if you have a max contract, if you are an all NBA player, an all star, you just can't be player of the week. So here's my flipped flips I mean, we're spending way more time on player of the week than I thought we were gonna do. But here's one idea. And I don't know that I I bet the players association would reject this because, you know, this would require people to like maybe miss time. They would play through injuries or maybe not take the rest that they needed. But what if player of the week was essentially like winning a golf tournament and you get like FedEx cup points? Like when PGA players win a golf tournament, not only do they win the purse money for the tournament, they win, they lift the trophy or whatever. But then there is like the FedEx cup, which like racks up points throughout the year. It's the same thing for like F1 does that, I think, with the races people run. And it's essentially like you want to win MVP. You have to get a certain amount of player of the week awards or be like second or third in player of the week that week. So essentially, it's either like abandon player of the week or make player of the week the thing that decides MVP at the end of the season. That might be a more accurate way to decide MVP, though, because like what we do is like we just stop watching after February. <laughs> like we're like we just decide. And then right. It's over. We talk about it way too early. <laughs> yeah. We start talking about it three games in and we're like, oh, my God, is Brandon Ingram the MVP? And then we lose interest around the Super Bowl because we started like paying attention to football. And then it's like, oh, I just ast- assumed Steph is the MVP. But he's not. <laughs> okay, what's your what's your next thing you want to vent about? I'm gonna do a quick one here. Carl Towns posture. Uh, it's been it's been a long time, man. Uh, I just I just can't believe nobody has fixed the way that he runs. And it's just like it's it's this very strange thing where with the basketball in his hands, he looks like honestly like one of the most graceful offensive players that you've ever seen, especially at his height. Like he he looks incredible. He, like he has a, he has a very pretty game. And the second, the second he doesn't have the ball anymore, it's like he's a seven foot Mr. Burns. And 
I just no seriously. Seriously, I, I did not expect this to be this much body science from you today. You're <laughs> like, just you're not going to be able to unsee it. Yeah, I don't know. These are the things that stick out to me. But I'm just so shocked that nobody has like at this point in his career gotten that out of his game, especially for a big man. Like the way that you run and like it's just it's it's like one of the most important things for for your long term health and like it just it helps everything else. Uh, I also would love him for him to like touch the ball more. That would be that would be cool. But like that is that is secondary to. I feel like Anthony Edwards is is like I love Ant, but like he does look off like open players on his team. Like and I'm sure Finch is giving him the green light and like that's what they need from him. But it was kind of fascinating last night to watch them. They were making a little bit of a push against the Warriors like in the fourth quarter, and there were a couple of times where I felt like like a little bit more ball movement, a little bit like more like like finding the open guy might have helped a little bit yeah they could use a little bit more table setting because ant's not necessarily naturally inclined to be that guy and i think while russell can do it he's still more of a hybrid uh, that i would consider more of a scoring guard too so yeah i i I agree i I also think that maybe the solution to that is literally just like they do run some stuff out out of out of the high post for for cat but just kind of doing that more especially in those situations where you just don't really have like offensive balance it's just kind of obvious i don't know he's he's carl towns and now that you've got everybody else kind of in in the mix it seems like the next natural kind of progression to the offense timberwolves currently in eighth uh, they're pretty much locked up with the Lakers in that spot, that that area of the Western Conference. Do you think that the Timberwolves should be um, pleased with their season so far? It's a good question. Um, yes, yes. I think so. I think yeah. there's they got a couple of lucky breaks. Not lucky, but they have some breaks in the sense that there's no Zion in New Orleans and there's no really functionally no Dame in Portland. So they've gotten the breaks that they needed to kind of get out of that ten spot. I think that. If you're the T-Wolves, you probably look at your roster and you look at Cat, right? And you're thinking, gosh, we'd love to get above like these this this Clippers team without their stars. You know what I mean? Like that that, that would be like, I think that the Timberwolves should be aiming for the, the Clippers and the Nuggets as like the teams that they want to claw back. You know, I think Finch is a cool coach. I like that team. They're fun to watch. I would love to see them in, in like not even the playoff the play-in games i'd love to see them in the playoffs this year yeah also i know that we're talking about things we don't like but um just shout out to the amount of defensive creativity we're seeing this year like wolves and and the bulls have kind of built like these perimeter oriented defenses that have made up for you know what they're missing in the middle um Mm -hmm. and i just don't think that like it was something that we even envisioned happening. Like I, th- I think the Bulls kind of saw it. W- like they, they, they built that team intentionally to be able to do that. But I think the Wolves kind of ran into it with like the ways that they use Russell um, as a defender, and obviously like Ant is just incredibly aggressive too. And you have Vanderbilt just like fucking everywhere. But using yeah, using your perimeter stars to actually build a really effective defense um, when you don't have the right guy in the middle to make the rotations is just, it's just, A, it's really fun to watch because it just means the team's going to run a ton, just going to try to get a bunch of steals. And if they don't, it also means that they're probably just going to have a bad defensive night like they did, so it's fun on the <laughs> other end too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, that's, I'm going to, I'm just going to throw in the one thing that I like this week. That, I, I like the, I like your positivity. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. 
They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. I'm going to talk a little bit about the team the Sixers beat last night, the Lakers, really quick. I feel like they're a little bit of a drag on the NBA this year. I was thinking about like how Tom Brady might retire. I don't want LeBron to retire, but I do want to retire Le GM. I want to retire this idea that like LeBron uh, as puppet master, LeBron as like team, like roster constructor, and that LeBron is somehow like taking meetings in the middle of the season to like redo this roster that by all accounts like was his choice to put together in the first place. So the the like mid season what trades will LeBron make thing has become a little stale. As someone who made a lot of bones and wrote a lot of blogs in praise of Russ, I officially tap out of the Russ wars. Um, this is like, I bend the knee. I can't do it anymore. I can't talk about this anymore. I mean, it's it was cool, I think, at certain points when he was in... Well, for me personally, I enjoyed him as a wizard more than I enjoyed him as a rocket or as, as a Laker. I wonder whether or not if you could go if he could go back if he would have just stayed on the Thunder. I wonder like if it would have just been better for him to spend five or six years getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs and be like a franchise legend and making $55 million a year or whatever. And then I don't know. I mean, I think it's cool that he went, went out looking for a ring in Houston. Like they, they obviously wanted to completely tear it down, but we've taken someone who was just like a really, really special electric NBA player and made him like this weird political football for like debates about the game that I think kind of sucks and then also like is just now like gets blamed for every franchise's problems that he ever steps foot on so tired of the rust thing tired of LeBron like trade watch like who's LeBron gonna deal who's he gonna swap what insane return on like nothing like what THT is gonna fetch on the open market the Lakers are just bumming me out and and talking about the Lakers and reading as much about the Lakers as I do is bumming me out would you be bummed out if John Wall Westbrook trade actually happened. He went back to Houston. Is, is that going to happen? Like, is that like I thought? He, like, he left Houston like abruptly. Like, it's not I, his choice. So, I mean, I imagine it would be like I think it would be a buyout situation. Sure, sure. 
like for wait for Russ. Mm-hmm. Does Houston do buyouts? Like I got the impression, like I mean, like why why not buy out Wall then? Well, they would want to trade Wall so they could try to get that Lakers first round pick that was that they've been. I think I guess it's been reported that that's what the deal would be. Like yeah, I yeah. mean, I this is the, the funny thing is like Wall is another guy who is just like one of my favorite five NBA players mm-hmm. for the in the beginning of this the, the last decade and is now become like this sort of weird albatross and like i just think mm-hmm. it sucks like he was an absolutely amazing player to watch and washington wall was like was so good before those injuries so i don't know it's just like this the, the, it, i feel like we get like fixated on the lakers because of like the franchise and also because of lebron but this is the like the ninth best team in the western conference and it's just like when, when they when they do their surge when they get all their when lebron and ad play together and they rattle off like eight out of ten i'm sure it'll be back in the championship mix but like right now, it's just I wish there was just like a moratorium on talking about him. Yeah, I'm with you, and it, it kind of transitions into into my next thing that I've been I've been annoyed with all season. It's just like the the absurd synchronicity of all of the Lakers and Nets injuries. Yes, so that it's all like their entire seasons are like theoretical, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like we're still it is. It is January 28th. We're more than halfway through the season, and we are still in that place. We still don't really know what these teams like would look like they played this week uh and the lakers were were full strength and they looked really good and anthony davis like looks like he looks like he lost some weight he looks like just like he looks a lot better defensively he looks more engaged he's like been really physical i think he's been kind of like the ad that people were hoping to see and then the next day it's like lebron has an east brain and we only get lakers nets for for that particular moment and then in the Sixers game hopefully it's not like he played through it hopefully it's nothing but then in the Sixers game AD hurts his wrist it's just yeah. like come on man no his x-rays were negative AD x-ray watch is another thing that I could never I'd love to opt out of well that's good yeah that's good no though you're right though I mean like we've got these two teams that I think a fair amount of people were like yeah Lakers Nets like that'll be the finals right like you know and I mean I'm sure there was like there was plenty of people who were like Bucks and and, and stuff like that yeah just need both plots to move forward though at this point yes yeah like it, it just does seem like you know and we'll probably this season not get like an optimized Nets team just because Kyrie's only going to be playing these away games so the rhythm of that that team is going to be compromised I was going to ask you whether or not you wanted to weigh in at all on the Harden stuff this week well you were talking about it before the pod so you know this is a vent session. Let's go. Let's get it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I have like galaxy brain take is that I think that the original like the Sixers are waiting for Harden report felt a little bit like a response to Daryl Morey's 97.5 interview that we talked about last week on the show, which was basically like, you know, the we 1000% would welcome Ben back. We're a way better team with Ben. He is the perfect fit for Joel. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then there was a lot of cryptic stuff about like, if this, then that. And like, we're not trading him for 30 cents on the dollar. Everything we talked about last week. And then pretty much right after that, I think in the beginning of this week, there was sort of this renewed, like the Sixers are holding fast for James Harden, who they think they can get, who, you know, James Harden's a free agent in the summer. And it would have to be like a sign and trade essentially. And, you know, quickly that was a shot down by a Woj report that was like, the Nets are not entertaining offers for James Harden and also think that like the James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving thing that they moved heaven and earth to put together that Kevin Durant and James Harden both were like, make this happen is not going to be broken up this season or next season. And that that's, this is the franchise they want to go forward with. And then it got into a whole, like if you're James Harden, 
why would you go to the Sixers? And if you're Brooklyn, why would you let him go to a division rival to the extent that that matters? So I feel like there was like a lot of um, through the media like manipulation going on uh, between like basically Clutch and, and, and the Sixers in this story without knowing anything like behind the scenes. It just felt like the order of operations of that narrative where it was like Daryl's interview, the James Harden trade rumor the James Harden trade rumor being shot down and now we're back where we started and we're, you know, 12 days out from the, or 13 days out from the trade deadline. I I don't think, I don't think Simmons is getting dealt before February 10th. I think this goes in the summer. Do you think that there's anything real about a potential Harden to Philly for Simmons scenario past the trade deadline? You know what? I've learned that never to say never about NBA stuff, but it would be really surprising to me and also, like, I just, I do, I do actually wonder whether or not, like, that's the bet you make. I guess if it's just for Simmons and Simmons doesn't want to play in Philly anyway, go for it. But, you know, Brooklyn gave up a lot to get Harden. And I think that they would probably be, like, pretty hard pressed to, like, just be like, yeah, sure, go ahead two hours south and go play with a generational center that we're going to have to play you guys five times a year or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't see, the, I don't really see it from the net side either, which is, I feel, I feel like it would have to be, like, happening right now and I don't think it will because you know once the off season comes like what's you know how's that even going to work right <laughs> so actually I was I was a uh, I was reading I was reading Rob Mahoney's profile of Seth Curry the ringer uh it just dropped yesterday it was, oh, it was an awesome piece yeah. yeah it was about Seth basically being like a super role player being like the exact type of guy because of the gravity that he he gives you and also just like this yeah he's like in the JJ role that was like he can Embiid and gets into these lockstep mm-hmm. rhythms with a shooter exactly yeah. exactly there was a piece in there about how when Maury was the GM of the Rockets he uh he wanted to trade for for Seth or he wanted to sign Seth that was when Seth went to Dallas and then you know, he managed to trade for him when he was when he went to the Sixers. All of which is to say that Daryl Morey is incredibly patient. Once he likes a player, I feel like he really likes him. And I think that once he's been in those trade rumors, like you can count on Daryl taking his shot at trying to figure out if he could get them. All right, so so we spent the entire pod basically complaining about stuff. Should we should we end on like a positive note? Is there anything that you want to be like? I want more of this. I want more Evan Mobley, Laurie Markin, and pick and rolls. I love it. It's so it, it's it's honestly. I mean, I love I love watching that team, but Mobley's a great passer, and then you combine that with the fact that he can see over literally everyone, pa- throw a pass over literally everyone. He play, pays he plays with a bunch of guys who can catch the ball over literally anyone. They've kind of like I feel like they can take vertical space to just kind of like a completely new limit. Um, there was a play I can't remember I can't remember who they're playing, but yeah, Mo- Mobley and and Markin ran like this pick and roll, and Markin just slipped it, and it was like it was the easiest pass in the world to make. Like it's just like there's no like who who's gonna defend that? Who's gonna defend you throwing like a like a seven footer with his wingspan throwing it up high to another seven footer? On a slip, especially, like, if you can see over the defense, slips are, like, as far as passes go, like, they're really they're really hard to intercept from the top unless you're also, like, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would I, – I love watching the Cavs. I love just 
the creative stuff that they're doing more of that particular play and more of whatever you know whatever is in the bag for that team like just throw it all out there it's all working that's that's mine i was gonna i was gonna say uh garland like i just want like jarris garland is like i I try to watch like cleveland at least once a week and watching him kind of just sort of like assume so much responsibility after sexton and rubio went down and essentially be their their closer their point guard but then they're set shooting guard when Rondo comes in. And it's it's so awesome to watch a guy take the leap. We've seen it with Ja this year to some extent. And and obviously what he's done with Memphis and leading them in, into like like top of the Western Conference contention. But Garland's awesome. Like I did I I would never really like clocked him coming into the league or like thought like I thought that that whole Garland Sexton thing was just gonna be like four years and then they were gonna be like you know, role players throughout the NBA. It's so all they cool get is a him. great nickname out of it. I know. It's <laughs> excellent. Um, we can wrap it up there. Thanks to Chris Sutton for producing us. We'll be back next week. Uh, we hope to, we, we got all this out of our system. So expect nothing but like, like optimism going forward mm-hmm. from this, the answer podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.